Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles presented by Bolin Media. I am Ross Bolin here with Barrett Dudley Toos. Uh, we got two things to talk about. Two main things. Today. Right? Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Like, who knows? There might be other things. We might talk about more than two specific things. Like two main the, things. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we could talk about, I don't know, like what you know, what you had for lunch today or something. I mean, I had Chipotle. Yeah. I'm a little more full than I would like to be right now. Yeah, yeah. You know the feeling? Are you going burrito bowl or you go full? You just go full on hog these days? No, I'm a child, so I get a quesadilla. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then chips and guac. <laughs> just really went all out today. Nobody nobody know? orders the Chipotle quesadilla. That's, that's um... Children do. That's unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get it to go or delivery, they allow you to pick like three sides to put in like a, mm-hmm. a little... So I got like beans... <laughs> Like the tomato heavy salsa, whatever that one is called. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh, sour cream, just a big puddle of sour cream. Sounds pretty good. It was. All right. See, now we've, now we've added something to the list. We've, there we we're go. Talk, we're talking three things. Booyah. <laughs> Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. Part one. But yeah. first, let's start with the 2023 Emmy nominations. Uh, of course, the Emmys are planned for September 18th. But they may be postponed, it turns out. Because they out. don't have any writers. Well, now they don't have any writers, they don't have any actors. And the actors might not show up. They might boycott, right, everybody's, as part of the strike. Everybody's striking. Everybody's striking. Right. Big problem in Hollywood, obviously. We've had our typewriter on the table in support of the writers yeah, that's, yeah, for yeah. Uh, over a month now. Definitely. Um, things do not seem to have progressed very well. Yeah, in the negotiation side of of, and I I I'll, I just want to I'm just going to leap out here and say one thing. I've seen I've 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 heard this kind of like I like I knew that this was happening, and I've I've heard it talked about. But then with the, with the actor striking as well, it was really like framed up for me, and it just like the I think the realization clicked. Like the problem, like the 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 root of the problem, it would seem, is that the major motion picture and like all of like. All of the companies represented in the, you know, in the the suits, essentially, right, are all tech companies now. Ah, they're not really motion picture and t- television studio companies anymore. They, w- when when we turned to streaming, they all became tech companies, and they all were being run like tech companies, algorithm based, and so and none of it has been profitable. Like essentially, none of it is profitable. They're just they've just been. Just streaming Sh- wars. Just streaming wars. Get the growth. Get the growth. Get the growth. We're spending billions and billions of dollars on content. Oh shit! Now we're not profitable, and now they are. Now they're trying to like basically strong arm the writers and the actors into taking shitty deals where they are just cogs in the machine, and they get to keep producing content in an effort to like make this profitable. Yeah, but it's not profitable, and so it's like that. That is really that is the paradigm shift. And 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 that is why this is such like a such a crossroads and such an important place for the actors and the writers to hold strong because like the, the these companies really like they, they the 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 techification of them is is, is made things worse has made things really bad yeah because yeah. this it's always been a problem yeah. right the suits versus the the talent if you the creatives right the business people versus the creatives because. You'll see stories like a head of a studio got a $5 million raise last year when the fact of the matter is what you just said is also true, that their streaming platform strategy 
is not profitable. Yeah, I mean, but at ex- the same time, execs at Netflix are making twenty five million a year, right. but the platform's not profitable. But the and people, they want and they want to put that back on the actors and the writers. Yeah. The people who are writing and acting in the originals that are bringing people to subscribe to Netflix yeah. are getting, you know. Scraps yeah. from the table, and that's why, and, that, and this is why they don't want to give anybody residuals. None of the streamers want to give, want to agree to any type of residual profit sharing or like performance-based metrics because they're already not making any money. Yeah, that's where they're trying to pick up the slack, and so they, financially, right? So they, so yeah, so it's just, it's a, uh, I don't know, it, this could be a long one, and 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 the Emmys, yeah, they they very well probably will be postponed. That's a that's a good it's a good insight, something I hadn't thought about, which is really a bummer when you think about the credit due to some of the, like, for example, probably the best example, Succession. This was their final season. You want to see them go out with a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot acclaim. Yeah, a lot of acclaim. And hubbub, yes, yes, totally. And now it's entirely possible that the Emmys won't even occur. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. Like, I mean, they, they're saying right now, like, oh, they'll probably be postponed. Right. But there is a, a good chance that the 2023 Emmys, in fact, never happen. Yeah. That there is no show to tune into like we will just get a list right like here's your one sorry yeah you know what i mean so uh anyway it's going to be interesting obviously keeping an eye on the both strikes now well it's also a bummer uh for me in particular because i've never looked at a list of 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 emmy nominations ever before and thought to myself my god i am the zeitgeist yeah (laughs) (laughs) because i like as far as best as far as best drama and best comedy I, I essentially haven't missed any of this. I've, yeah. I've watched almost all of it. There's I mean, like a few things here and there that I haven't seen, but like it, it's it's kind of stunning. Stun- Ooh, stunning. Uh, and so, <laughs> um, and so you know, it would be a fun one because I would know all the TV shows and all the actors and like, you know, no, nobody would be up there winning for like some shit I'd never heard of. So. Right, which happens, you know, most recently like the last Oscars. I was like, who, what? What is? Yeah. What is this stuff? <laughs> but no, you're not wrong. When I was looking at the list, I felt that way. In the shows I haven't seen, you have. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm with you there. But uh, let's go through some of these categories. Let's do it. For yeah, the Emmy yeah. nominations mm-hmm. and talk about what we see. Um, starting with Best Drama Series, we've got Andor, which I was very excited to see. That's, it's great news for Andor because that, that, was, that show was awesome and deserves just, like, people should get behind that show because that is what, IP franchise that's like that's best case yes you know what I mean that's that is using something that we all know and we all love but like actually making it good and not just like a you know a, a, a lowbrow nostalgia play so like I hope that this kind of pushes that forward a little bit the Star Wars universe has a uh, a lot of the latter yeah a right. lot of the nostalgia play not so much of the creativity and the good storytelling and or had all of it it I've, really not, I've not been able to make it through this last season of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's been a bit of a slog, I would say. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm multiple seasons behind on yeah. Mando just because it's so it's not high up on my priority list, right. let's be honest. Uh, Better Call Saul's final season nominated for Best Drama, um, which obviously you watched also and loved. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, keep going. The Crown, which I've fallen off of at this point. Yeah, kind of surprised they're still getting... The uh, critical acclaim they're getting, but whatever. The show's still awesome. It's yeah. still so enjoyable. And the I think they, they, they really get a boost with the cast turnover every sure. two seasons. Brings in more people, fans just, of like, them. Right, yeah, and like and, and, and you get to watch new actors kind of like take on these roles, which are famous people that you know, right? right? Like you know who Prince Philip is, like uh, R.I.P. 
uh, and and the queen, obviously. But then like all, all that that's I think that's really been kind of like one of the reasons why it's stuck around is because they they get like a, a little a little refresh every two seasons. But watched, still, super enjoyable show. I watched Wimbledon. The Wimbledon final this past weekend, uh, yes, and that's yes. always the closest to British that I feel. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, the tennis, yeah, the back and forth. House of the Dragon nominated for best drama series. I'm still a little surprised that that HOTD is getting that Hot D is getting as much love as it as it is. But I think maybe that's because I watched it through the lens of spinoff. You know, yeah, like through the spinoff lens, I, it was very, very good. Don't get me wrong, right? And I think that what we'll see reflected here is that people are still pretty blown away at the scale of the production, the scope, yeah, the scope yeah, of yeah. the production, and the way that they are ma- able to make things look, the 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 the, gen- the overall the world creation because it's nominated for best drama. There is nary an acting nom in sight. That's true. So very true. Uh, the Last of Us. Season one, of course. Succession's final season, as well as The White Lotus and Yellow Jackets, which yeah, no, I... That's, that's the shocker. I still can't believe that Yellow Jackets, uh, the latest se- season two, got nominated because I, I hated it. But um, <laughs> to to yeah. stay on the positive side of things, all four of the shows in yes. that run yep. that we keep crediting as potentially the greatest run in the history of television in terms of stacking back-to-back shows... If you're if you're listening today and you're like, well, what about when Entourage was on with this and this and this? It's like I'm not talking about at the same time. <laughs> and also, Entourage shouldn't be in this conversation. <laughs> We're talking about House of the Dragon into uh, the White Lotus season two into The Last of Us into Succession's final season. That is a four show run, one after the other. When one ends, the next begins. That. The likes of we've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely owning Sunday nights, owning the you know the sit down. This is what we're watching. We better watch it now because people are talking about it on Monday. So like, yeah, yeah. One episode at a time, weekly viewing, right? Old school HBO dominance, yep. and uh, that I am not surprised by to see all of those shows nominated. Okay, so give me your give me who you would vote for here and who you think will win. I mean, I. I think the answer is the same to both. I think it's succession. I mean, I think they will they will give them that final feather in the cap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, congratulations. You did it. That was a hell of a series. You ended it before. You didn't stretch it out too many seasons. And it crushed. I mean, it was as good as any of the seasons, if not the best season of the show. Yeah, I think that I think succession will probably take this. Um, you, the, 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 I think the fighting chance here is White Lotus. White Lotus wouldn't surprise me, yeah. and or wouldn't surprise me, frankly. Yeah. I don't it, think it will happen. Probably not, but could be like a critical dark horse. That's See, this is the problem. Uh, pretty, I bet you every single person voting for this has seen Succession. Yeah. What's that percentage that actually watched Andor? Probably you half. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. that's the real, that's the, that's the rub there. Yeah. But I think Succession probably deserves this based on the full body of work, which that stuff does factor in. It's a little bit like... NBA MVP voting, right? Where it's not like, it's not exactly clear what the parameters are. They kind of shift year by year. Yeah. And sometimes when you've got a body of work situation, like Joel Embiid won this past year in the NBA. He wasn't the best player in the league. The best player in the league in this particular season happened to hoist a trophy at the end of it. And uh, Nikola Jokic had already won two in a row, so they weren't going to give him a third one. They don't like doing three in a row. No. (laughs) No, sir. No. Um, 
so yeah, anyway, in this case, I think Succession, all things considered, probably carries enough weight to to get that best drama win. So uh, moving on to best comedy series, which has been for the like seventh consecutive year, extremely controversial because people are so confused by what what determines a comedy, right? Yeah. Um, going through them, Abbott Elementary, obvious comedy. Yes. Barry. It's not a comedy. It is a funny show, not a comedy. It's a, but technically, it's a dark comedy, right? That's the I excuse guess. that they're using to, to stick it in here. But no, it isn't a comedy the way you think of the word comedy at all, which yeah. is why, I mean, the next one is The Bear, right? There are really funny lines in The Bear. I'm almost done with season one now. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little yeah. bit at the end of the show today. But it is not a comedy. It is a very serious show. No, you're right. The Bear is honestly, is probably worse than Barry for being here. Like I, I'm halfway through season two, and it is, yeah, it's 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 not fun. No, it's not a funny show. <laughs> like, uh, you're like you said, Barry actually does have moments that are intentionally like very darkly humored. Like there yes. are some funny things in Barry. Well, and this is the, why the it, bear is like really a that's a thirty minute drama. And by the way, the sh- the episode that I just got to last night, episode six of season two, I was queuing it up, but it was a little late. It's an hour long. Out of so nowhere? Did, yeah, so we didn't even watch it. Because, oh, well, that, that can't watch that. We don't have time for that. Well, not only do you don't have time for it, it's too much. That's too much bear <laughs> for right before bed, dude. An hour, a full hour. But this is why the category gets confusing, because the next show on there is Jury Duty, which is a pure comedy. Yeah, yeah. Also st- stoked that they got a nod yeah. at all. Um, but when you put, like, the bear and Jury Duty and Barry and Abbott Elementary in the same category, it's just it's very, what is this? Yeah, yeah. What are we trying to acknowledge here? Um, also, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I believe you have kept up with. I have, yeah. Yeah, watched its final season um, just recently. And again, that's another one that is like very, like it's a gray area. Like it's, it is a, it, the show is literally about a, a comic, you right. know? So I, I understand how it ends up here and it's definitely a funny show. But once again, I, dr- drama throughout, like, you know what I mean? And very serious topics, gets into yeah. heavy life shit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, only murders in the building. That one I'm fine putting in comedy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ted Lasso, which sure. Yeah. It's yeah. at its core. It's at its always core. a comedy. It started even in out, serious it's, episodes. It's, especially when it started out, I feel like it veered into to more serious places. You well, know? that's kind of how Barry did it too, right? True. Like Barry yeah. season one, there were a lot more, as I understand it, comedic elements than mm-hmm. you know season three. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, Wednesday. Got a got a nod. Yeah, another there. one where I like I guess like I guess that was a like a like, but it's really was like a teen horror dramedy. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's look, I I get it. You have to put these things somewhere. You gotta you gotta put them in one of the two buckets because that's the way it is right now. But but yeah, it's a real it's a real mixed bag. Um, the the only the only thing I haven't seen on that list is Ted Lasso, the newest season. Um, I don't think it would get my vote either way based on what I've heard. Uh, and yeah, sounds like I, that's a respect nomination right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't know, you know, I don't know where this should go. Like, I think Abbott Elementary won last year, and I think that's partially because people were like, ah, yes, good old network comedy. Right. Like that's what we like to vote for in this in this category. So so um, you know, I believe this is one thing I wish they would do on Emmy nominations. By the way, put the season. Yeah. Right. And the network. Why don't you? Just list it. My my list does have network, but um, oh, okay. yeah, but it doesn't have season. I I believe that this is a nomination for the Bear season one. Right. Yeah, that is my understanding. But um, it's strange because like 
the bear season two was out before the nominations were even released so yeah right it's just it gets confusing i think on their official website they list neither if i'm not mistaken like, are you on the official site or no, are you on no, like I'm Variety on like or Hollywood something? Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think on the official site, it's just the title of the show. Like yeah, they give right, you right. no other information, no other, which yeah, is yeah. a little bit weird. Uh, but if I had to guess, I mean, look, I haven't seen the latest season of Barry. I'm behind. I think Abbott Elementary takes this again. Again? Yep. Yep. I think it's going to be like, I think it's the new modern family. I think it's going to win for probably a few years in a row unless something like really comes and knocks it off, knocks it off its pedestal. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the bear or Barry should probably win. That would probably I'd probably go to one of those. Uh, but I, I think Abbott Elementary probably wins again. See, I think the bear will get recognition in other categories with a win, perhaps. But uh, Barry, I'm a little more like it might kind of just slip under the radar I think here. It's li- yeah, yeah. And not get much recognition in its final season, which is sad. Yeah. And it's where the uh, I think frustration around best comedy series comes in. Yep. Right. Uh, moving on to lead actor in a drama series, you've got Jeff Bridges for The Old Man, Brian Cox for Succession, Kieran Culkin for Succession, Jeremy Strong for Succession, then Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, and Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, which I'll just say up front, has absolutely zero chance of winning. That's correct. No disrespect to Pedro, <laughs> but uh, th- this is not this is not a category he will be uh, competing for the prize. I think Jeremy Strong will probably win, but... I will be I will be really happy here if 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 the the vote is split between Cox Strong guys. and Colkin, especially now with Colkin elevated to to actor. Yeah, and Bob Odenkirk takes it home. I think that that's another body of like that is a deserved body of work award. Yeah, Jeremy Strong already got his for arguably a better season. His best season, I would say, was season three. And like, I would love to see Odenkirk. Yeah, I think take, if you're take this home. if you're voting. Between those three actors in Succession's final season, I don't think it's a difficult choice. I think Kieran Culkin, think Kieran Culkin. is yeah. is yeah. the guy. Uh, Brian Cox is in what three episodes? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, technically more than that if you count the little you know video he's in or whatever. But uh, like you said, Jeremy Strong this season was it's he didn't really do anything he hadn't already done in terms of accomplishing uh, big shoes, big big shoes, big big shoes, and he had some big shoes to fill. Big um, shoes. But Kieran Culkin took his shit to a whole other level. I think he surprised a lot of people, myself included. I was blown away by the the talent he displayed. Um, but I think it does get really challenging for succession in this category when you've got three different people nominated. So it would not surprise me at all if Bob Odenkirk walked away with a, a dub here. Or like Jeff Bridges. It just feels like one of those ones where they could just like <laughs> throw it at Jeff Bridges. You know what I mean? Um Lead actress in a drama series has uh, a bunch of things I'm unfamiliar with. First of all, Sarah Snook in Succession, which I don't think she wins. Carrie Russell for The Diplomat, which my wife just started watching, and she keeps trying to talk me into, and I'm like, I'm busy. What network is that on? I don't even know. Okay. Don't even know. Uh, Bella Ramsey for The Last of Us, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets, and Sharon Horgan for Bad Sisters. Yeah. And just based off of the very minimal experience I have with the shows in this category, I, I picked Bella Ramsey just because yeah, I think... Yeah, th- that won't surprise me. That will not surprise me. Not sure she could have done better than she did and uh, deserves some I level believe, of... I believe Bella Ramsey is is uh, non, non-binary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. My apologies. Um, but th- I, be- I, I could see them winning this uh, because Elizabeth Moss has already won. I think a couple of times, 
Nobody, no, not that many people watch Bad Sisters. Laura watched that, so I saw some of that. It was good, but you know, like I don't think like big enough to to necessarily take it down. I could, I could see Sarah Snook going away for for Succession with this one. I could see it, but I wouldn't love it. Yeah, but I think I, my vote here would be Bella, Ram- but would be Bella Ramsey. Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets is out of the question. <laughs> that, that is one thing we do know. I, that I would pro- also that probably say, means she's probably going to win. Uh, yeah, you're, you're Melanie Linsky right. will probably win this. You're probably right. Uh, lead actor in a comedy series, Bill Hader for Barry, Jason Siegel for Shrinking, Martin Short for Only Murders in the Building, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, Jeremy Allen White for The Bear. Now, this is a stacked category where I think they have an opportunity to give The Bear some of the credit that it deserves since we don't think it will probably win in Best Comedy Series. Jeremy Allen White is phenomenal, um, yeah, this is but go- it's th- tough this sweating one, here. This one's going to Bill or, Jer- or Jeremy Allen White. you yeah. got you got to think. Yeah, probably Jeremy Allen White because he he won Golden Globe, I think. Yeah, I keep hearing great things about Shrinking. I mean to get to it at some point. Um, sounds like it's right up my alley, and it's very well done. That's the one with uh, Jason Siegel and Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford. Yeah. right? Who's had the most ridiculous television resurgence in terms of his career. Moving on to supporting actor in a drama series, and this is the funniest category by far. This is my favorite. This is my favorite one. Because it yeah. is entirely comprised of Succession and the White Lotus yep. actors. <laughs> F. Marie Abraham for The White Lotus, Nicholas Braun for Succession, Michael Imperioli for The White Lotus, Theo James for The White Lotus, Matthew McFadden for Succession, Alan Ruck for Succession, Will Sharp for The White Lotus, Alexander Skarsgård for Succession. Uh, first off, surprise Will Sharp made the cut. No offense, good performance, probably the the least um, outstanding performance of the, the season. It just though. was the least dynamic. Yeah, you it know? was. It was pretty straightforward. He he was playing the straight man. He was brewing and simmering inside without like you know without nearly as much to kind of show as as Aubrey Plaza or Megan Fahey or even Theo James or yeah yeah. And again, to HBO's credit, it is absolutely absurd that they sat down to decide who was in this category, and they were like. <laughs> Yeah, we can't really consider anyone outside of these two shows. Like that's it. That's all yeah. we have room for. Sorry. Yeah. Um, this is Matthew McFadden running running yeah, away yeah. with it for me. Yeah, you like, have to give it to him. Yeah. There were a lot of people asking, like, how was he not in the best actor, best actor yeah. category? Yeah. And that's because they didn't submit him for it. They submitted him for supporting instead. I mean they had to. Which, they had yeah. to. It would have been four deep right. in the best actor category. So you do it this way and you make sure he gets the award, I yeah. think, as yes. well. So yes. Uh, I love that they're giving Alan Ruck some credit by throwing him in there. Yeah, he deserve deserves it. it. Deserve it. Uh, it is very funny to me that Michael Imperioli. It's not that he didn't do a good job on The White Lotus. He did, but pretty shallow performance in terms of like uh, you know there just wasn't a ton of depth to his character. He was just kind of a shitty old guy who liked hookers. Yeah. Um, and I guess because I've, I've watched The Sopranos so many times, he has to do so much with Christopher. Pretty minimal effort from him in terms of his character on The White Lotus. So The, the, the one thing that the Emmys should do, they, 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 and the Golden Globes has this, I believe, they need a best ensemble cast. Yeah. Because really, that's what, you, I'm, I'm happy for, for some of these people to be nominated in the, in the individual awards as well. But like, that's what this feels like to me, is that they were like, the, the, especially with White Lotus, but Succession as well. Both of those, yeah. Like, the casts are so stacked. We love everybody. Everybody has to get a nomination. Yeah. Yeah, and those two shows we just mentioned would be the ones battling yes. for that award, yeah. Best Ensemble Cast. Um, I Yeah, like you said, Matthew McFadden, I, I think he's probably got that one wrapped up. I think so. Supporting actress in a drama series, also very White Lotus heavy. You got Jennifer Coolidge, you got Megan Fahey, you got Sabrina Impaciatori, 
you got Arby Plaza, and you've got Simona Tabasco. Um, pretty much the entire all the women female cast yes. <laughs> got noms, and then you also except for a, a notable lack of uh, Simona Tabasco's uh, her her friend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think you had to pick one though. Like, yeah, you just had yeah. to pick one, you know. And I guess I think Simona probably had a little bit more screen time, maybe. I think maybe just a little hotter. But, <laughs> That's all, what they went yeah, with, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they they were both. I would have picked the other one if yeah. you're going off acting performance. I would have picked the other one, but that it is what it is. Um, also, Elizabeth Debicki for The Crown and uh, Rhea Seahorn for Better Call yeah, Saul. Ray, Ray Seahorn. This uh, is one that like critics love. Ray Seahorn. This is always like we're we're you know. Um, I don't think she's going to win this. Her her performance is really, really, really like a force, but it's also pulled back. Like it's it's reserved. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like there are there are only moments of of true like again that that showiness. Right. You know what I mean? And it's such but it's such a powerhouse performance. Based on the Emmys that I've watched the last few years, it seems like somebody from The Crown usually comes away with an with an acting win. So I think Elizabeth Debicki, she plays and and she plays um, Princess Di in this oh, in the okay. most recent season. Okay, okay. So that that won't surprise me, but I I think odds on favorite. I mean, at my I, actually I don't know because Coolidge won it last year, so I could see her coming back in again. But for me, my my vote goes to Fahey here. I'm with you. That one the one scene <laughs> is pro- probably for me the most powerful scene that I watched on TV last last year. I mean that that was the definition of uh, like award bait, right? Emmy yes. bait, yes. And uh, that's that she was my pick. I think Jennifer Coolidge has gotten more than enough recognition. Frankly, yep. Um, not that she didn't do a phenomenal job again this season. It's just like, come on, let's move on. And uh, yeah, also Jerry. Yeah, I think the from sad the sad the sad part for me is I actually like Jennifer Coolidge's performance in season two better I'm with than you. I liked her I'm with season you. one performance. So, you know, but I, I do, they seem to love this ensemble so much. Megan Fahey kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't really, ha- like, she was an actress that people kind of like, maybe like you'd recognize her from this or from that, or you'd seen her on stage. But like, I didn't know her, yeah. But I didn't really know her, and she came out of nowhere, and now I like, she's at, you know, she's hanging out at Wimbledon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Jay Smith Cameron, um, also nominated for Succession for her role as Jerry. I don't I think that's a respect nom. I don't think she she didn't have to do that much this no, season. Not I would have really. rather I would have rather seen um the uh, the 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 White Lotus girl instead of J. Smith Cameron here, yeah, honestly. Probably with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh guest actor guest actor in a drama series is comprised of Murray Bartlett for The Last of Us, James Cromwell, Greg's grandfather in succession, uh Lamar Johnson and Kevon Montreal Woodard, who are both uh the blind little kid and his brother in The Last of Us, as well as Arian Moyed from Succession and Nick Offerman from The Last of Us. So we've got both of the dudes from episode three mm-hmm. of The Last of Us nominated, which is not shocking at all. I was a little surprised they gave uh, both the, the I'm sorry, not blind, he's deaf. 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 Yeah, that's right. Um, and that guy's brother nominations. They did very, very well. It just didn't like... When you put it up against what Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman were able to accomplish in that one episode, I'm yep. like, I don't know. Uh, this is a different ball game. James Cromwell is phenomenal in Succession. He really, really is. 
I just don't think it would be fair to give him this award <laughs> when you're considering some of these other performances, um, particularly the also, ones. I, Cromwell gonna Cromwell. You know it's what I mean? It's just him. It just it's the same. He's the same character he was in the last in the uh, the 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 Pope show. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The young Pope. <laughs> the young Pope. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much the same character in Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a grizzled, grizzled old. Old codger. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, th- this has to go to Nick Offerman. Uh, you like, have to. You yeah. have to give it to him. Yeah. You just, there's just, I think if you asked Murray Bartlett, he would tell you you have to give it to Nick Offerman. Yeah. It was one of the best single singular episode performances of anything I've ever seen ever. Ever. And he was really going outside the box, like in terms of what you think of Nick Offerman, like this, you know, the dude from uh, Parks and Recreation. Exactly. And uh, Ag- yeah, against type. Yeah. Yeah. Blew me away. So I think you have to give it to him. Guest actress in a drama series. You had uh, Hayam Abbas for Succession, Cherry Jones for Succession, Melanie Linsky for The Last of Us. She got nominated for two different shows, which is a hell of an accomplishment, even if one of those shows sucked ass. Storm Reed for The Last of Us. You and I already talked about this a little bit last week. It was yep. surprising. Surprising. Um, yes. I think I need to go back and watch those that the, the whole season probably before season two comes out. Maybe I will enjoy her performance a little bit more. Anna Torv for The Last of Us, who of course uh, goes out with a bit of a bang. What yep. two episodes in? Yeah. And then uh, Harriet Walter for Succession, who was also in Silo, plays Walk. Inside. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, Who builds a silo? All things considered, I give it to Anna Torv. If it's me. But it's not. So who knows? This was Best Guest Actress? Yeah. Best Guest Actress? Yeah. In a drama series? Yes. I don't think you can give it to Melanie Linsky for The Last of Us. I, she was good, but that was not that deep of a character. Storm Reed, same argument. And then the succession... The the guest actresses, I mean... Oh, I think... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Anna Torv was strong. I'm, I'd probably go Harriet Walter for, really? for Succession. She is very good. And she has several, like, kind of scene-stealing moments. It's not just the Barbados episode. Yeah, that's right? true. That's, pro- that's probably my pick. If she's never won before mm-hmm. for that, yeah. I, I'm assuming she's been guest actress Maybe. Yeah. for every season. Yep. Uh, then, yeah, they should probably give that to her. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about that. All in all, though, like we said... Just an insane yeah, really, amount of success for HBO. Here. Yes, yes. And just a, I mean, a great amount of success, like I said, for the zeitgeist. Like, these are shows that people watched. Yeah. You know, that people talked about. And so I, that's that's always fun. Makes you feel like the Emmys are really tuned in to what everybody else is I does feel like they're pretty into, tuned in, yeah. Which yeah. Is, it's kind of a rarity when it comes to these uh, award shows. Uh, even with the Grammys, sometimes you're like, what? How the hell did they give best album to this person or whatever? Um it makes it a lot more exciting and fun to watch when you've seen all of the shows. Yes. So the more they can hone in on the zeitgeist, like Barrett is saying, the better off they will be. In this case, this particular year, I feel like they had it pretty easy. It wasn't that difficult to determine, like, okay, these are like the 10 best shows we need to make sure yeah. are represented here. Um, HBO made it very easy <laughs> for them by being four of those shows consecutively. So good year, though, for TV. Yeah. I think yeah, hopefully you this have happens. To, hopefully this award show happens. You kind of have to appreciate how, again, I mean, we've harped on this for years now, but like the golden age of television is still going strong. There is going to be a tipping point eventually, you have to think, where things kind of shift back towards the middle and it's not like movies are trying desperately to compete with what is going on 
in television right now because there's just so much more to work with when you get a 10 episode 10 hours in a lot of in a lot of cases to tell your story versus two and a half three hours or whatever um but i mean we've been very blessed as tv watchers yeah. to have a ton of good stuff to watch once again no i'm i mean and, and kind of like just to to make it to bring it full circle and, and bring it back to the strike like i i, I foresee the actors and the writers coming out on top here and what that what that probably will mean is a pullback on the amount of content being made by all these streamers and so it's you know that 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 then it's kind of like a tbd like you know does that make them less risk averse and not green light things like the bear or berry right or and 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 do we are do they start doing this a similar thing to the movies and just like well if it's not ip we don't fucking care about it Oh, God, I hope not. You know, like, and so that that's it that, is scary that, though. That's the worrisome part is that 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 you know the the boon from all these streamers just spending billions on stuff is that they they were for they and they have for many many years seem to like give these kind of like harebrained ideas or smaller productions or stuff that doesn't include massive stars like a real shot, and so that's that that's kind of what you worry about. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's. It's TBD. I mean, it's funny because it kind of mirrors tech on the whole. Like during the pandemic, tech was like, all right, hiring everyone. <laughs> yeah. And then the yep. last year, we've watched layoffs, yep. you know, basically dominate the headlines in, in the tech industry. So uh, similar feeling here with what's going on with streaming where they're just like, like you said at the beginning, you got to get as many subscribers as possible at any cost, right? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. We're just trying to pull in as many people as we can so we can compete. But it doesn't feel like that was necessarily the right time to do that because we're still seeing all of these, like, you know, with Max, for example. They're like, oh, fuck, we need to combine these properties. <laughs> like, we need yeah, discovery yeah. shows on a streamer. Well, nobody's just going to download another app just for discovery. Let's just mash it into Max. And uh, we lost the HBO Max app. Yeah. And, uh, and now we've got Max. So I just, it seems like things are still shaking out in terms of how all this oh, is yeah. going to look longer For term. Sure. Yeah. Nobody, like the joke keeps being made. We're just doing the thing where you revert. It's like becoming cable. We go all the way back right? to cable. Yeah. You have to yep. 14 <laughs> different streaming services to keep up with it. And it ends up costing just as much as cable did. And like all this cord cutting has been for naught. Um, I think there will be some balance struck at some point. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, look, when this writer's strike started, I think everybody who's plugged into the industry knew this might get ugly. Yeah. And now we're seeing it kind of drag on. The actors are in. It's It has gotten ugly, and it doesn't seem like there is a lot of middle ground, and the, the problem that Barrett presented at the top of the pod remains, I think, the most prevalent from the studio side of the argument. And uh, we hope they get something done. Obviously, I think you and I are both uh, very much in favor of the writers and actors getting what they're asking for, right, so, yeah, to some extent. Totally. Yep. And uh, I don't know why any if you're a fan of television, why you wouldn't be, why you would be on the other side of that. But we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed that it doesn't go on for like two years or some crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. But that would give me a lot of time to catch up on some of these shows that like Better true. Call Saul. That's true. Frankly. All right, moving on to Dead Reckoning. But first, now that we are in the thick of summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for active, sunny days. If you're living life on the fly, good meals can be hard to come by. Not so with Factor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. So if you're too busy to cook this summer with Factor, skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back outside and soak up the warmer weather, or let's be real, sometimes you need something good to eat while you enjoy your favorite shows from the couch. Want to cut back on takeout this summer? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready faster than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. So no more waiting an hour and a half for the delivery guy who ends up canceling after deciding to eat your food in their car. Factor has been fueling my wife and I over the last several months with a newborn at home since I don't know how to cook. And I have tried a lot of meal kits over the years. Factor is the most delicious by far. Truly, shockingly amazing. I love the smoothies as well. They are delicious. I usually have one for breakfast when I'm running out the door to work. So if you're living life on the fly like I am, I could not more highly recommend Factor. It's time to sign up for Factor with our special offer just for members of the Clam Fam. Head to factormeals.com slash OCC50 and use code OCC50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code OCC50 at factormeals.com slash OCC50 to get 50% off your first box. Jumping into Dead Reckoning, you and I part went, uh, part one, excuse yes. me. You and I went and saw this at the IMAX Theater on Saturday. We did. And uh, I have to say, first, it. The, I don't know if I can recommend that, that that anyone see this in the IMAX rather than the regular movie theater. Yeah, did Russ, you feel that way I, when it was I all did, said and done? I did. Yeah, and 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 I was left with the um, you know, the a feeling that nobody likes, which is uh, where you realize that you've you you may have unlocked a new age achievement. Yeah, where you're like IMAX just isn't for me anymore. Like I, I can't like I can't do it, and it sucks because I I now. I, I still have like the itch to see Oppenheimer in IMAX because I feel like Christopher Nolan really does truly make the film for IMAX. You know what I mean? Yes. But there, there was that. This was too. This was too much. Oh, dude. You know what I mean? Like this. It was too. Look, the part of the IMAX is that you're right. They're engulfing you in something. They yeah. are immersing you in it. You can't which, escape though. Which works in the OG sense of it, right? Where you're like watching jellyfish in the ocean, right? And it's like, yeah, you want the ocean to be the whole screen because it like it feels like you're in the ocean. It doesn't matter what's on the the peripher the peripherals, right? right the right. periphery. You're just watching the massive jellyfish do yeah. this thing on the center. Yeah. But like in a movie, I'm trying to see the whole screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was extremely overstimulating. When we left the theater, I was like, well, I don't want to poo-poo this, so I'm just not going to say anything. And Laura said, like, I think I would have been good seeing that in a regular movie theater. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, thank God. <laughs> I feel so old. Um, but, dude, it took me, like, 30 minutes to settle in. Yeah. Like, yeah. In, in, in large part because this is the run of trailers that Barrett and I <laughs> were exposed to. before. This is before Dead Reckoning even started. Oppenheimer... Dune Part Two, Napoleon, and I think there was one more. There but was, I, there was. I couldn't yeah, remember. It yeah. was four in a row, though, where I was like, "What?" First of all, yes, I can't wait to see that. But second of all, dear God, it's like when it occurred to me, like, "Oh, I've, I've, I made a mistake by timing it so the edible would hit right <laughs> when the movie started," because it was way, way too overstimulating. Like I was just like, "What the fuck?" And we were, we were like a good, we were in the middle of the theater, yeah, but not the middle of the row, right? 
and the 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 most elderly thought that entered my mind was like, I think I have to be in the dead, dead center, center. Yeah. for the IMAX yeah. because I was getting dizzy. I thought I was gonna puke. I kept having to look away, and here's the problem with IMAX: there's nowhere to go. You can't run. You can't hide. <laughs> if you're looking up at the screen, it is it is all-consuming that's right i was having to stare down at my legs for like five <laughs> minutes at a time just to get a little break thankfully with this film the plot means bupkis there's <laughs> almost like if you're worried about like spoilers today it's it's almost not possible to spoil this movie it that's, is, that's it is, accurate it's yeah. way more about the fun visuals and the stunts than anything else and it's not close but yeah but so, i did think i was gonna die for about 20 minutes uh i was like <laughs> I, I turned to my wife and I was like, I think I might have to leave. And she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, not really. This is crushing my brain. Um, <laughs> but so just the trailers alone had us like so teed up. Shit, for, what was the fourth one? There was definitely a fourth one. I can't remember. I was looking through the list of trailers and I couldn't even find it. But Man. just even those three. Yeah. They all look incredible. Napoleon looks super dope. I love Ridley Scott and I love yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Dune Part 2. I'm a big Dune guy. I, 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 don't, I know not everybody is. Some people thought that movie was boring as shit. I D fucking love Dune. Dune Part 1 was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I thought it was... Uh, uh, that was really interesting, too, because that was probably the least interesting trailer. Probably the movie that I'll like best out of all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like but... Um, yeah, okay. Back to the back to Mission Impossible. Yeah, By yeah. the way, um, I was really glad that this one did have some self-aware type of referential stuff. Oh, thank God, Up yeah. front. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I went into the seventh Mission Impossible movie, having seen all of them, being a very big fan, and not remembering or or knowing that IMF stood for Impossible Mission Force. <laughs> I don't think anybody knew that. I think that was one of like the jokes that they snuck in there, kind of. like I don't know if they'd ever addressed that before. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Now to the movie. I, look, I love Tom Cruise. I love these Mission Impossible mo movies. I am worried that this one it just hit its fast and furious like number eight. Where you're spot. just like, okay. Where where they where they've run out of where now the goal, they're sitting around and they're make and they're they're getting ready to make these movies and the 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 plot is taking like a very obvious backseat. I mean, you kind of have to do that, though. Because th this was just a run of, like, seven massive set pieces with three-minute breaks in between where the same five people are sitting around in a room being like, you have to make the choice. It's all about the choice. Can I read you some of the best lines? Please do. So you'd get these are the lines that are in between the action sequences. And like Barrett said, the, the entire movie, and I mean the entire two-hour and 45-minute movie, is, is little bitty breaks that are built up to the next massive yeah. action sequence. Here are some of the lines. Uh, Your life will always matter more to me than my own. That's from Ethan. Yeah. Uh, None of our lives can matter more than this mission. That's from Luther. Uh, uh, our lives are the sum of our choices, and we cannot escape the past. That's Kittredge. <laughs> A lot of quotes about life yeah. and lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, the world is changing. Truth is vanishing. That one's from Ilsa Faust. And then uh, Ethan's, we live and die in the shadows for those we hold close and those we never met. So there's just like a bunch of dumbass action movie lines yeah, crammed into yeah. this thing. It almost becomes like, like, a, uh, what's the, what's the movie by the South Park guy? It's like a Team America World Police style mm. action film, except with real people instead yeah. of obviously puppets. Um, that being said... Look, if you love action movies, 
this is incredible because it is nothing but that. Like almost, it's so stereotypically over the top. They even like redid things I've seen a dozen times. Are you talking about the car chase scene? The in, car chase in Rome, scene, which is basically like a shot for shot of the one from Born Identity. There's a bunch of Born Identity shit. Didn't Born Identity fight on a train at some point well, on top of a moving train? It, Everybody's fighting Mission on top Impossible of moving trains. Mission Impossible has fought on top of trains like at six times At least a already. few times, yes. right? Yeah. So you have to get the train fighting scene in. But, um, I mean, this is where the overstimulation comes in because it's like usually in movies you have a big action scene and then you're given a little bit of respite to, to respite. Respite. To calm yourself, let your nervous system settle, and so you can refocus because the adrenaline is leaving your body. They don't give you that chance at all with this thing. It was just over and over. I felt like I was getting the shit beat out of me. Yeah. It was nuts. Yeah, and I mean, Mission Impossible also used to, like, in its, you know, at its origin, like, it was espionage. It was spy stuff. Yeah. Right? And so, like, my my favorite part of this movie was probably in in the first half hour um, where they are trying to track down the key... Right, and they're doing the airport hijinks. Yeah, the little cat See, that and mouse. Was, that was cool. Like move the cup around, hide the ball type stuff. Like yeah. that. That was a lot of fun. You get the. You get the. Re- you start building the relationship between um, Ethan and uh, the the Haley Atwell character, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you know that, that there there was some good chemistry there. So like that 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 kind of bringing it down a level you know you still you're still building tension you're still having some fun action it ends with tom cruise sprinting which is always good uh (laughs) but then like you compare it to the rome car chase scene which this will shock nobody but uh this movie was too long by at least 20 minutes yeah probably by by 30 and the car chase scene was way too long yeah way too long and there was just the one thing that I will say, it's not that everything wasn't well executed in terms of the action sequences, but none of it felt super novel or new or fresh until you get to the uh, Tom Cruise to the, jumping off yes. the fucking side of a mountain, which yep. let's just jump into some of the craziest action sequences. You already mentioned Tom Cruise sprinting. You get, I think, three of these. At least two. But one of Maybe them three, is yeah. so notably long and intentionally over-the-top funny. <laughs> Because yeah. he he sprints in such a yeah. particular way no, with they, the chopping they, hands. They know this at this point. I I feel like Fallout was a was sort of self aware. Yeah, the, it, Mission Impossible is definitely self aware in this one now, and so it's making in jokes and it's commenting on its own place in the action movie franchise and and even Tom Cruise who kind of allows himself to be the butt of the joke a little bit, which is well, I, you know you you I, have I, to at this point right. though. That's and, the but, thing. But but at but least he's got guy, that. Yeah. At least he can do that because. Yeah. Knowing everything that we know about him, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing if he was just too self-serious to even do that. But he's in on the joke, which is part of the fun and and why you can't help but kind of like him. Anyway, they know that Tom Cruise running is like a meme. That's a thing. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. That 61-year-old little psychopath <laughs> is, is very entertaining to watch full sprint. Um, also, his Twitter bio reads, running in movies since... Ni- in, there you go. I'm sorry. Running in movies since 1981, which yeah. is a, a good little joke there. But yeah, we get a few of those. Um, the alleyway brawl where he fights off two people at the same time in the tight little alleyway. Mm-hmm. One of the moments that put me on the edge of a panic attack just because of the claustrophobia <laughs> aspect. Um, the car chase, which did have a very funny part to it, which is the spinning, the car spinning yep, out. Yes, It's like yes. a little Fiat 500 that Ethan Hunt and Grace, who who you referenced earlier, Grace, that was the name of the character. Yep. Um, they're handcuffed to each other. <laughs> they have to... They had, but this was, it just felt like um, there was a lot of stuff that had been done and done at 
as well as it could possibly be done in other movies, whether they be Mission Impossible or one of the Bourne films. Or Bond. There was a yeah. lot of Bond in this film. A whole lot, lot. Very, yeah. very... This felt more like a Bond film than it did uh, a Mission Impossible yeah, film. Yeah, it was like yeah. an homage to all the great kind of Bond, Bourne movie, Mission yeah. Impossible movies all in one, and which is part of the problem with it, I think, because like you get to the end of this two-hour and 45-minute like just non-stop action movie, and then you remember... The, yeah. We, oh, this was part one. This is part one. Yeah. Like they need six fucking hours to tell us this story. Yeah. Let's go to let's let's move to the very small uh, plot of this movie. Yeah. What is it? Um, there is an artificial intelligence. Yes. That I I don't even remember who created it. Now we don't know. I don't think. Okay. But some, it's gone rogue though. It doesn't matter it, who it, created it, it. It went rogue. It became sentient, and it went and it's and it stored its source code. On a uh, on a on a um, a sunken submarine. On a, no, on a on a submarine that was that was the most high tech sub ever developed. By the way, when we start off, the movie opens with all the sub stuff. Yeah, were you like, oh man, submersibles so hot right now, <laughs> so hot right now. Yeah, uh, honestly, it crossed my mind. Like, did Tom Cruise sink that submersible? <laughs> Like just for promo, but no, obviously um, not. Um, yeah, but so yeah, the, yeah. So it it the the uh, this this submarine cannot be detected. They've they have gone to every major naval base, like every country that has a major naval base, and they have floated around near it, you know, as a test, undetected by all. Yeah, it's Russian. It's a Russian, it's a Russian sub. sub. It's a Russian sub. I I think the U.S. created this AI because I think they remember they were talking about how they knew they did know about. Oh the yeah, sub. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the artificial intelligence stores its source code on this big thing in the sub, this like, you know, this technology hub in the sub. Yeah. The hub in the, the hub in the <laughs> sub. The cat in the hat. Um and it goes on to just like start, you know, doing AI shit. The problem is that AI is just, you know, electronics, and so they have to personify it by this guy Who's Gabriel. Like Gabriel, who's like working for the AI. Was he in the other movies? No, I have no idea. I don't know if those were flashbacks from other from earlier films or if they just like made him look old or young for I don't know which. But they make it sound like him and Hunt have been like either arch enemies their entire lives or like actually were boys and now this guy's been turned the, to work for the AI. Looked, those looked like scenes from an earlier early Mission Impossible, but I do not recall them. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the issue I had with this movie is that there is some reference to, like, the rest of the franchise that I had zero recollection yeah. of, and that made it a little challenging. The artificial intelligence um, is being sought after by every single major nuclear power and, and country on the face of the Earth. They all want the key that is that we're hunting down so that they can go find the, the source code, control the artificial intelligence, and then use it to be the newest, baddest most permanent superpower ever. Yeah. Only one man, only Ethan Hunt, wants to take the key and destroy the artificial intelligence. Yes. Um, and he's being pursued. He, he's pursuing the artificial intelligence. And while pursuing the artificial intelligence, he is being pursued by oh, that's at right. least yes. three different yes. groups. One of them is represented by the dude from uh, by Shea, Shea Wiggum. Yeah. Shea Wiggum, a longtime HBO veteran. Who... Really, I mean, talk about all-time character, like, actors. He's just born to play, like, the put-out cop. Like, yes. the put-out law enforcement. Yeah. <laughs> Truly born for it. I mean, unreal. He's very, very good at it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's it kind of, like, 
There is a there is a one of the cool twists in the film is when you start to figure out why the different bad guys are doing what they're doing. Like essentially the AI being an all knowing entity, mm-hmm. which they call the entity. The entity. Yeah. Um, it has things on all of these people, right? Right. So it's it's like, oh, but that's not the twist. The the cool twisty part, and and this again, I don't even think it should count as a spoiler. You won't like remember this and be like, ah, oh, Ross ruined it. Uh, when you realize that it is, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. There's the twist. <laughs> <laughs> There's the twist. No, it's the way that it's motivating people to do what they're doing. But now I can't remember what I was going to say. It was stupid anyway. Okay. It doesn't matter. Hmm. It doesn't matter. I have a couple more action sequences. Yeah. Name them. Uh, Again, we referenced it already. The fight on top of the train yep. where uh, Ethan is fighting Gabriel and Gabriel has a knife. Um, the motorcycle jumping off a cliff where he deploys a parachute and flies through the window of the train uh, to save Grace's life. He, she's like about to die yeah. in like a two-on-one fight and right. then he happens to swing through and take out the two people. Yeah. It's like a 30-car train <laughs> and he happens to go through the exact window he needs just to knock uh, this thing out. And then... Uh, the train escape was probably the most stressful, and it's almost exactly like that scene in Jurassic Park 2 where Jeff Goldblum and I believe Julianne Moore are experiencing the same thing, except it's in that trailer when the mama T-Rex is all pissed off because they took the baby T-Rex that had a broken leg and they were going to fix up its leg, and then they push the trailer off the cliff, and then they have to get out of it before it falls, yep. except they do it with like four different train cars five, they're probably five in a row it I happens think. over and over, over and, and over, over and over and you're just sitting there like i can't fucking breathe <laughs> um but that was entertaining it was just like jesus christ how many different cars are they again, gonna have to again, do this with it was a train car or two too long yeah unnecessary like i get it and the problem the the always the problem right is that like you knew you knew that that, that neither of these people was was going to die here. Yes, exactly. And that's where some of the issues come in for this franchise is the weight of it. I just remembered the twist, and it's that some of the people in pursuit of Ethan Hunt don't realize that they've been hired by the AI because there are buffers put in. Like, they're just getting messages from where... Like, this whole industry of espionage is always really secretive, so you're just getting hired by people you haven't met face-to-face, okay, right, and they're right, not right. realizing, like, oh, my God, I was hired by the AI. <laughs> Which is kind of a fun moment, but also so stupid that I couldn't remember it. So, um, but yes, to get to your was point, was that was that the realization being that made? That was one of with one with, of with uh, with Vanessa Kirby's character. I in think that, so. In that whole scene where they're looking around and it's like, this party is the entity, and it's like doing all of its like <laughs> flashy was, eye stuff. That was maybe the worst part. <laughs> we're standing inside. It was like, they were like, all right, but what about old people? Like people older than 50 who maybe won't understand what AI is <laughs> and they won't get Barrett that the files are in the computer. How do we represent the AI, the entity in a way that the olds could wrap their heads around? And they were like, what if there's a fucking room covered in <clears throat> screens yeah. and it, it displays itself on the screens. Yeah, and also at the same time, we can do an homage to another classic action movie scene, which is like the Bergen uh, gothic discotheque club scene in Triple X. <laughs> uh, because that is what, that is the party that they walk into. There's like contortionists that like have no clothes on and they're like, it's like, yeah. you know, this like hot club it's music. It's a fucking rave. And it's, yeah, it's a rave. 
Um, that the entity is throwing. That the entity is throwing. That was tight. Yeah. But the problem with these movies, and this is what happens with a long-running action franchise such as The Fast and the Furious, but even more so, I would argue, with Mission Impossible, which was actually a seriously good first film, right? Not that yeah. Fast and the Furious wasn't, just kind of a different ballgame. Right, right. And uh, you get to the point where, like, well, you can't kill Ethan Hunt. So your main character is not going to die, and the weight of that possibility is completely removed, especially knowing there's a fucking part two. Now, he could die in part two, perhaps, if you believe that Tom Cruise at 61 is ready to cash in the Mission Impossible chips. We all know he's not, so he's going to go at least a few more, (laughs) right? So he can't die. That's a big problem. As a result, they have to kill off some of these side characters that they feel like you should be really invested in, but you don't really remember if you've even seen them before or what their parts were in the other movies because it was so fucking long ago or you didn't see one of them and you missed some of the shit. Like, that's where I was at. With yeah, like, what's her name? Uh, Juliet from The Silo? Yes. Um, what was Rebecca, her deal? Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust. She is from um, not Fallout, but the one before that, which I believe is Rogue Nation. Maybe it's Ghost Protocol. I can't remember. She's, <laughs> she's from Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation. Maybe, maybe it's both. And honestly, beyond the time, beyond the length of this movie and the general, like, the, my, and my feeling that all of, most of the action sequences, especially the train and the car chase, were 10 minutes too long. Um, th- she was my biggest problem with this movie because that was a disservice to Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. To bring her, th- again, this, this will be spoilery, um, but also not really because it's pretty choreographed and like, te- or telegraphed, excuse me. They, they bring her back so that they can kill her in the first half of the movie. That is it. That is the only reason that she is back is so that Ethan Hunt loses somebody that he is close to. They really beef up their relationship like like out of nowhere. Yeah. She just like appears back. She's in the fold. She's on the team. Um, and they're like going on a canoe ride in Venice and like holding hands and like looking, you know, longingly at but each that other. That scene was so obvious. Like um, out of nowhere, they're like, all right, now we really want the audience to know that these two have a special bond. Right. Can we yes, do five yes. minutes that's just them spending time but together? The, but that's, but it's totally neglecting the fact that through the first six movies, Ethan Hunt's long, long time love is, is, um, uh, his, his wife. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Uh, shit, the name her name is slipping my mind right now. I've got you. Um, and she I Michelle Monaghan. Michelle Monaghan, who is in Fallout, I'm I'm almost positive, and he saves her in Fallout, and she's like moved on and has like a nice life now, and like got remarried and like all that type of stuff. But like, that's his. That's who he has. That's who we who we know he has like the connection to. Right. And then all of a sudden in this movie, it's just like. He's like maybe flirting with Grace, and also he's got like this longtime relationship with Ilsa. Yeah, and like suddenly it's a Bond movie because only the women are gonna die. Yeah, only the hot women that he likes are gonna die. But the difference is that Bond does a good job, at least of like, well, not the old ones. I'm talking new Daniel Craig James Bonds. The old Bond movies would just be like, all right. Here's the three <laughs> chicks who are going to get murdered as a result yeah. of their relationships with James. But in the newer Bonds, they give you, like, they build up the character and the emotional attachment between her and James before killing her off so that you're like, damn it. It's also part of the trope. Like, yes. James Bond is a Casanova playboy that can't stop sleeping with every woman that crosses his path. Like, that is part of the bit, right? Yeah. And the other side of the bit is that, like, that's the danger of being James Bond. Anyone that gets too close to him dies. So that, so they, they we, just take that. We, we suddenly just took that for this film yeah right 
which and it's very it's very narrowly cast on the women because Luther and Benji, who have been in like the Luther's been in all seven movies, Benji's been in like five or six of them, and they seem untouchable as well. Yes. And so it's just like the new kind of love interest, and we bring one back from an old movie who we immediately dispatch with, even though she's an awesome character, and really just like I think I asked you this after we we right after the movie, I was like, what? Why did we even? Couldn't you have just written the like the Grace character for Ilsa? Couldn't you have just like brought her back and made her the Grace character essentially? Yeah, in so many in so many different ways. Or did we just like need the fresh faced like thief to be like a new? I, I just I didn't like I didn't I did not like how they how they brought her brought Rebecca Ferguson back seemingly only to have that like moment on the bridge, and then she's essentially but then she's just essentially replaced by Grace. And it just it wasn't felt, good. It, it just I didn't I didn't love that. Rebecca Ferguson deserves better. I hope she cashed a nice check for this. Uh, I, I get the feeling Ving Rhames is like, why am I still? How how old do you think Ving Rhames is? Dude, I don't know. Too old. He was to looking be a little up old with this shit this anymore, man. Too too old to be putting up with this shit. Uh, Vanessa Kirby was good as Alana. Always Miso- good. Mitsopolis. Love, love yeah, Kirby. she was yep. really good. Um, let's see. How old is this man? Damn it! It's not going to tell me. But yeah, all in all, look, the thing that was most confusing for me is I went into this seeing the the uh, Rotten Tomatoes rankings Which and shit. Is, yes, I'm and right, I was that like, was the next thing I was going to bring 96%, like 97%, like what the yeah. fuck did they pull off here? There is absolutely no way this thing deserves above a 75. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not, I'm, no, I mean I, that I, with that... all due respect. Like, it is not an objectively good film. It is a fucking ridiculous all-time action movie from the perspective of I'm not sure I've ever seen one that goes this all out nonstop the entire two totally, hours and 45 totally. minutes. Yeah. Wildly impressive action stunts and feats um, and visuals. That's it, though. That's fucking it. We don't just throw 96s all willy-nilly no, no. at movies like this. It's it's that that grade is so heavily weighted on like Tom Cruise yes, love. I, think. I, I completely agree. It has agree. to be. Yep. That's the only explanation to which I say, okay. Because again, like we talked about, like Tom Cruise, probably the last great action hero. Like the, yeah. probably the GOAT when it's all said and done. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold went and became fucking governor of California while Tom Cruise stayed and saved, 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 Hollywood, saved Hollywood over yeah. and over. Yeah, This is the guy. <laughs> like he is the face of action movies to me. Yeah. Um, and uh, You mean it's not Vin Diesel? It's not Vin Diesel, as much as I appreciate family. I just don't. I I'm so confused by how heavily uh, or how how well it's being critiqued. I, I, I am too. I am too. And and I, you know, I think a 75 is is right. Um, you know, as as to kind of how I would grade this movie. I I, I do really I do really believe uh, to come back to the very first thing we said. I think I would have enjoyed this movie a lot better in Alamo Drafthouse than in the IMAX. Yeah, it was a lot to take in, bro. Um, having more sustenance than popcorn and chocolate candy yeah, yeah, yeah. and would would have been helpful. The ability to get out without bothering an entire row. Yeah. And then also the ability to not have to look at your leg for five minutes to escape the uh, the action on the screen for, uh, a, for, look. A, for a quick for a quick breather um, would have been would have been good. Um yeah, I, I, look, I would rec- I still would recommend this movie if you like action stuff. Yeah, but it's, you have to like action stuff. But that but that is what this movie does and I'm I'm sitting here I'm I'm playing the same record that I always that I always do now at this point which is that like 
I, there were pieces of this movie that were like, oh, yeah, talk about that. And so I'm hoping against hope this will not happen. But like that part two is like, yeah, let's talk about the AI. Let's go get that Russian sub. Like, let's like, you know, like I want more of the actual spot. Like what is happening the with substance. the spy stuff, the substance, the plot, like give me more there. And then that makes the like w- when there are more when there are longer spots to breathe and think about the plot and like make your brain work a little bit, it makes the insane action stuff hit even harder. Yes. But this just felt like I was just we're just getting beaten over the head with it in yeah. this film. One of the questions I wrote is, is there any discernible message to the movie? What is it saying? And there really isn't outside of Tom Cruise being the greatest action hero of all time. Oh, I thought that I thought there was definitely a message. What? AI, bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's so fucking. Artificial intelligence, bad. What's <laughs> yeah, the most simplistic <laughs> shit? Uh, no, I'm with you. I hope they do something cool with part two because part one was a little lacking in story. It, I, it, here's just, the thing. Just, here's the thing. You know, I'm going to see part two because now that I am one of the world's foremost experts on uh, the submersible game, I got to see how they get to the sub. No, I'm with you. Right? I'm with it's you. At the bottom of the Bering Sea, I got to see how they pull that off. All right, let's take care of one last thing of business, and then we because I want to. We, we got one more point about IMAX I want to get to as well. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. If you're sweating your ass off like we are down here in Texas this summer, Bird Dogs has everything you need for the bottom half of your body. Bird Dogs makes the most comfortable and versatile shorts, pants, and bathing suits in the entire world. I've been wearing them for several years now. They cannot be beaten. I wear them to sleep, to do yard work, to work out, to go swimming, to play golf, to go out to restaurants. They fit great. They feel great. They look great tons of designs and colors and variations as well they've got funny names uh the forest pumps art fart knockers coach cockburns are a few of my favorite pairs if you need some to check out if you want to look great and feel great while you're at the gym this season or swimming at the pool or out at the bars taking in those hot summer nights bird dogs are the move my friends so click on the link in the description below to go to birddogs.com and enter code dragon at checkout they will throw in a free yeti style tumbler with every order like this one i am holding in my hand that's birddogs.com code dragon to make sure you look good all summer long and you'll get a free yeti style tumbler with every order birddogs.com code dragon okay you and i discussed the fact that like we we might not go see oppenheimer in the imax now because of this yeah i'm going to rely i'm not i will not have seen i will not be going to see it on thursday or friday of this week um so i'm going to rely rely on insight from the discord about people that because I know there will be some people that go see go see it in IMAX um, there, and I I need to hear some feedback because I do I do I trust Christopher Nolan a lot. Like yeah. I do believe that he makes his movies for IMAX, and like watching the trailer for it, seeing like the bomb stuff happen, like maybe this one is better for IMAX. Now, having said that, I also just am more comfortable in the draft house. Yes, and this is another three hour picture. Look, it's, so an, it's not I'm, a great IMAX that we have. Let's it's just not, say that. It's a, it's, it is, it's a bad, it's a bad one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about as bad as it gets in terms yeah. of an IMAX. Um, it's just like I've heard Oppenheimer is going to be a lot slower than than something like what we just watched, which there's no brakes on the fucking train. Right. Uh, there's a lot of talking. I'm just not sure I need to watch one of the heaviest, if not the heaviest event in human history occur on an IMAX screen. and. Yeah. It's like, as far as like, I mean, it's mostly, you know, World War II was a pretty rough time. So I, I think the only comparable subject matter would be like the Holocaust. And I'm not going to see Schindler's List in the fucking IMAX, dude. Like, it's yeah. already such a heavy movie. And this is about what I would argue is right now, present day, the scariest possible topic. More so than AI. 
Like, we get killed off by the robots. Fuck it. It is what it is. Nuclear war and the fact that it's been basically pending for <laughs> 40 years now, like pre-Cold War, is that's a very heavy thing, right? Like, it's... It's not something I'm sure my brain can handle on a regular screen. <laughs> I don't want to see it in the IMAX. And uh, like you said earlier in the show, I just think I might have aged out of like the demographic that needs to feel the most intense emotions all of the time yeah. in the highest yeah. possible caliber. Well, you, you made a really good point about our particular IMAX. There was So uh, Christopher Nolan shot this film on, on 35 millimeter true film film on massive IMAX cameras. They weigh like 2,000 pounds each. Yeah. Uh, I think he, th I th and I'm pretty sure he shot, you know, a lot of movies shoot like the action sequences or bits and pieces on those cameras. And that's what you're seeing in, in, in the, in the IMAX like width. It's a, uh, and I, you know, kind of somewhat strangely, I find IMAX is like more of a square. Yeah. You know, you get more vertical picture. So I, at one point um, about uh, um, a month ago, about a month and a half ago, I was looking at tickets to go down to the San Antonio IMAX because that is one of 32 theaters in the country that is playing Oppenheimer on 70 millimeter IMAX where they have literally, it's like on three massive rolls of film. They have to change the projector three times. It's the film, if you were to unspool it all, 11 miles long. Jesus. And I was thinking of, like I was looking at tickets to go down to San Antonio to, to, to see it in that. But like it, outside of that, outside of the true, real film IMAX experience, I think I'm just probably with you. I think I'm swapping this in for a little bit more creature comforts at a different, at a different theater where like, you know, you can just like move around a little bit more. There's more. There's you know more concessions. Seats are more comfortable, and you, you know you're not just like just absolutely inundated with the visuals. I think the last time you and I saw a movie together in IMAX before uh, Dead Reckoning was Tenet. Yep. And yep. Uh, I still don't know what happened in that movie. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't, but I still don't know. Yeah. So I may not be doing Opp Oppenheimer in the IMAX just because I would like to be able to enjoy it more than I was able to enjoy this yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, other things I've been watching. What We Do in the Shadows is back, season five. Two episodes are out. Weird fourth season, first season of this show where I was kind of like, oh, no, are they going to lose their fastball? It happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, this seems to have pulled it back on track. Like, the, the whole premise last season of the Vampire Nightclub and baby Colin Robinson was too stupid and too weird to hit the same as the rest of the show has. Yeah, so they've... I, I believe that this show was renewed for... After season four, I think they got like a three-season renewal, something like that. So I, I was really surprised to watch the first two episodes here, and I will not spoil this. I was surprised to see them potentially be pulling a card that I thought they, A, might never play, or B, would save till a final season, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got renewed um, for two, five and six five at the and same six. time. Five and six, okay. Yeah. Now, they are, so far through two, they're kind of like, you don't actually know what's happening. Exactly. They're kind of like half-assing it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's not all the way. Um, I have found these two episodes more enjoyable at the same time, I do think this show has lost its fastball. Yeah, I mean, it might just be time to. It's it's. Wrap I think it up. it's just diminishing returns. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, and it's like because something like The Office, I think, which also lost its fastball after Steve Carell left, and and felt that way. You where you just you weren't getting the same amount of joy. It even, just wasn't the same. It just man. wasn't the same. And it's like this one, I think, maybe potentially even even a shorter shelf life because. With The Office, you're talking about something that is relative to you on a, essentially a daily basis. 
yeah, going this to work, is, having coworkers, right. spending time in the office. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And even if you don't go to an office, you still have coworkers. You still hear about it all the time. You still knew what it was like at one point. Like, right. Like you can all imagine. Yeah. You can, yes. This is very much like a very niche. We're talking about stupid vampires yeah. that live in Staten Island. Like how many, <laughs> how much runway is there for that? So, yeah. so I, I, I'm, I enjoyed the first two episodes, but I do think it's, 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 uh, it's operating at like a B level instead of an A. I'm with you. I hope they find ways to spice it up a little bit down the stretch, especially knowing they have at least one more season. I'd be shocked if they went past season six, yeah, unless they just straight up don't care and just want money because it is kind of running out of steam here that the trope and the plot that they're using to power season five is very much one of the last things you would expect for the show. So we'll see how it goes. I'll say this if I had to give a note. More Laszlo, please. Just that would be my note. Um, I am almost done with the Bear season one. Uh, people who scared me away from the show, I'm upset with you. It is not, like, it's not, I wouldn't even argue that it's heavier than The Sopranos. I do have a very quick funny story. I was watching The Bear, right? I do one episode a night. I don't fuck with it. That's the formula. It's too It's too quick. It's, it's not even yeah. the heaviness. It's the pace. Yes. Where after the episode ends, I'm like, now my brain needs something silly and stupid to help it wind down. So guess what I threw on? The Sopranos? Dave. Okay. And it just happened to be the fucking episode they shot in the style of the bear, where he's shooting the music video about his childhood first love, and the whole episode is at the pace of an episode of the bear. I was blown away that the odds that that was the way it went down. I was just like, God damn it. My brain that, needed a break. That that's the episode though that I told you to text me after you watched it, and that's I think that's my favorite episode of television this year. It when the credits started rolling, I turned to my wife and I was like, "God damn, this show is so fucking good." That, and she was like, "This is the only episode I've ever seen," and I was like, "I know, <laughs> but you need to, you need to recognize like it is it is that, amazing." That episode was phenomenal. I saw a TikTok of the comedian Theo Vaughn accusing uh, Dave, aka Lil Dicky, of stealing bits from his stand-up routine and using them on Dave. Really? Um, in particular, the wooden shirt from season one uh i just want to say that is insane <laughs> i stand entirely behind dave and little dicky and like i just that's comedians are weird about this type of shit yeah. man it is a totally different bit just with the same sinner like that's not what happened at all and it is insane and you look like a bitter little bitch you need to stop that you need to stop that. It let Dave and, and let him do his thing. This is genius on TV <laughs> versus like just the stupidest fucking stand up bits. So no. And uh, anyway, I've, I've been working my way through Dave season three and it is, it just keeps getting better. Yeah. Like I haven't even hit one of the crazy cameos yet. And yeah. I'm already, yeah. I'm just like blown away by how good the show is. So uh, loving the bear. Think it's awesome. Stoked to be into Dave. I'm finally making up some. Some some headway here on have the shows you, have, I was behind so on. So does that mean you have seen or not seen yet the episode where Dave uh, goes to the trap house? I have not. Okay. All right. Have not. Very excited <laughs> for studio. that. Very excited for that. <laughs> Thank you all for being here with us today. We have to run. We've gone a little long, but uh, you know where to go for more OCC ad-free. Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Support our sponsors. Today we had Bird Dogs. Code Dragon for free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. And Factor Meals. Factor Meals dot com slash OCC 50 code OCC 50 for 50% off your first box. Follow us everywhere. Oysters, clams, and cockles on all the social medias. Just search Barrett Dudley at Barrett Dudley on threads and the gram at WR Bolin on those and Twitter as well, which I can't stop fucking tweeting. Now there's just two of them. I just hate everything about social media. <laughs> Go to BolinMedia.com slash shop to grab yourself some merch, including this, uh, white lotus themed blossom circle t-shirt 
that we made. It's one of my favorite shirts we've ever made. Blossom Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening. Thank you for watching. And remember, none of our lives can matter more than this podcast. Thank you.